Hello, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. And we hope this message will help you grow in your walk with Christ. And if you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by visiting theroadfc.org and click on the giving link. Our passage for today is out of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. I want to begin with verse 2 and read through verse 10. Um, I might keep going to verse 13, but I believe our screens will only be ready through 10. Um, but here we, here we go, chapter 6. Uh, says this, for he says, at an acceptable time, I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation, I have helped you. See, now is an acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way, through great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute. We are treated as impostors and yet are true as unknown and yet are well-known, as dying and see we are alive, as punished and, not, and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. And I do want to read through verse 13. We have spoken frankly to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open to you. There is no restriction in our affections, but only in yours. In return, I speak as to children, open wide your hearts also. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you'll remember my beginning anecdote from a couple of weeks ago, uh, I shared a funny fictional story about a faithful but unimpressive Pastor Michael who served faithfully uh, but was upstaged by impressive Pastor Stephen. Uh, and this is that little scenario that I painted a couple weeks ago is precisely what Paul was going through in the church in Corinth. After exposure to wealthy and impressive Christian leaders, the church in Corinth was ashamed of Paul's leadership. And so in the first few chapters of 2 Corinthians, Paul is defending his ministry. Uh, and there's a lot of debate about whether he's actively trying to defend his ministry or by the time of writing, uh, he and the Corinthian church had reconciled and he's kind of giving a recap of where they've been. And, and scholars kind of debate back and forth about that, but the truth is about the first seven chapters of 2 Corinthians is Paul essentially giving uh, credibility to his own ministry. And so this is what we have happening here. In fact, uh, focus again at verse 3 and 4 where it says, We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found within our ministry. Right? He's trying to defend the work that he and his ministry companions are doing. He's, he goes on to say, But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way through Great endurance. And then you get this whole big list, right? 
And, and it begins with this concept of we have had to endure some things. We've been through some stuff, right? And, and he lists the things that he and his ministry colleagues have had to go through and have had to endure, and the list is really quite impressive. He says they've been through afflictions. They've been through hardships. They've been through calamities. Now, if you're anything like me, you can't hear the word calamity without thinking about The Hobbit, right? I always think about The Hobbit. Truly, songs and tales fall utterly short of the reality, O Smaug, the chiefest and greatest of all calamities, right? So that's like my mind immediately goes to there. And I've never faced a dragon, uh, but I've been through some hard stuff in life. And he goes on to say beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, this is an impressive list of someone's, someone chronicling their life. But isn't it also true that no matter who you are, where you come from, or what you've been through today, if you can hear the sound of my voice, you find some resonance with something on this list. There is something on this list to which all of us can say, yeah, I've been there. I know what that's like. I mean, these are things that all of us have faced. So in one sense, this is Paul's very personal kind of chronicling and reflection of his own life and what he's been through and his, along with his ministry companions. But in, other, but in a very real sense, this is also a reflection of our lives as well. And so it's the sense of what this passage is about. Is it's about Paul's life. But can we also say it's about our life? But then we take a really hard right turn just as quickly as we heard all the things that Paul had to endure. We then take a hard right turn and before we even recognize it sometimes, we're, we're into words like kindness and knowledge. I mean, we're, we're presented then with a list of Paul's qualifications. So we go from a list of here's what Paul had to endure in ministry to here's a list of Paul's qualifications for the ministry that he's doing, right? And, and remember, this is a list in defense of his ministry. And so essentially Paul is, is saying these are the things that are made manifest in the ministry that me and my companions are doing. And he says purity. Now, when we hear the word purity, we almost always think of like sexual purity, right? And I think that's probably on the table here, but scholars agree that what Paul is talking about more specifically here is purity of motive. In other words, he has a pure motive in his ministry, that he's really seeking just to proclaim Christ, to elevate Christ, not himself. So he has this purity of motive in his ministry. And then he goes on to say knowledge patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God. Now, if you're a careful listener and a good Bible student, right, you may have noticed some overlap between this list of qualifications for Paul's ministry or the things made manifest in his ministry and the list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Which is, that's right, which is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, right? 
And so there's some overlap between the things that we see in Paul's ministry and the fruit of the Spirit given by Paul in Galatians chapter 5. Now, when we come across passages like this, it's easy to think, you know, Paul is kind of one arrogant son of a gun. And he's just sitting here bragging, right? I mean, he, what, what is the, like, to what degree do we be like, and uh, the, the ministry of Andy Lucas makes manifest all of these things, right? So let me just take a moment, now that I have you here seated and listening, to tell you about my own ministry, right? So like, there's, we can, there's one, some sense, and we're like, whoa, Paul, take it easy on the bragging, right? Uh, and I, I think it's less that, but because of the overlap between the fruit of the Spirit and the things made manifest in Paul's ministry, I think we need to understand and to recognize that it's what Paul is simply trying to say is that he sees and believes that the Spirit of the living God is at work within him. So he's not taking credit and bragging, but rather saying, this is the evidence of the Spirit in my own life. That God was at work in him. And so, and I would just say that this is the case that when anyone exhibits these qualities, the Spirit of God is at work within them. Amen. Amen. That the work of the Spirit is... Is, is clear, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. So when we see these qualities, the work of the Spirit, is at, the Spirit is at work in that person. Now, sometimes they will recognize that as the work of God. Sometimes they may not. But nonetheless, it is the work of the Spirit in people's lives. Now, I do want to offer a quick word of nuance here. Now, Paul is in a position where he's having to defend his ministry, and so he's, he's kind of saying, here's what other people have kind of borne witness to in terms of what they've seen in my ministry. I do want to say here that I think it's most appropriate when other people are the ones to point out and to see what is made manifest in, the li- in our own lives. Are you with me? That I can look at someone and say, I see the work of, of God in your life, or I see the work of the Spirit in these ways. And I can bear witness to the work of the Spirit in someone else's life. Are you with me? I think that usually is good. We can also have an awareness of how the Spirit of God is at working in our lives. That is then confirmed by the witness of other people. Does this make sense? In other words, I think we need to be careful about being too braggadocious about our own lives and instead, like, lean on the the experience of other people to bear witness to the work of God in our own lives. Okay. The reality is, is that this passage is actually a bit jarring. It takes sharp churns from impossibly hard things that Paul had to endure to the things that are evidence of God's beautiful work in him. And just let that sit for a while. This passage bears witness to the impossibly hard things Paul had to endure and also the evidence of the God's beautiful work in his life. Or, as I said at the beginning of the message, this is 
very specifically about Paul's life, but could also generally be true of our lives as well. Isn't it true that at any moment in our lives, we are going through things that can feel impossibly hard, and at the very same time be experiencing beautiful things and how God is at work in us. I think this was made most clear uh, during the season of COVID. COVID was so hard, and yet some really good and beautiful things have come out of it. The difficult nature of the pandemic brought about creativity, brought about solidarity, and some things were and still are really, really hard, and some things were and still are really, really beautiful. And so there's this kind of experience of the full gamut of of human experience and human emotion and all that's going on, and Paul's life bears witness to it, and I would say our own lives bear witness to it as well. And so, what Paul is essentially doing while defending his own ministry to the Corinthian church is he's capturing the essential balance of Christian authenticity. You with me? He's capturing the essential balance of Christian authenticity, which is to say this, because I I, want to explain what I mean there. Some Christians come to Jesus, amen, hallelujah, and then seem to believe that life is then just full of glory and celebration and the Lord just providing all that they need in such a way that everything will go on without a problem. Right? That it's like you accept Jesus and everything is up and to the right. Do you know what I mean by up and to the right? If you're looking at a cell phone signal, the better it is, the further it is up and to the right. (laughs) Right? I'm having some cell phone issues, and mine is down and to the left most of the time, and it's frustrating, okay? And so, like, uh, sometimes we, we, we kind of have this sense of the Christian life is just this, this life of skating up and to the right, of this kind of easygoing life where, where, where we're protected from all hardships and problems. And while that may seem wonderful, life simply doesn't work like that. And any presentation of the Christian faith as such is quickly exposed as fraudulent at worst and ignorant at best. Similarly, some Christians respond to any sign of cheerful spirituality with disgust. Let me say that again. Some Christians respond to any sign of cheerful spirituality with disgust. They have come to see everything as gloomy, filled with trouble. Nothing is ever good enough or meaningful enough or reaches its full potential. Everything always is falling short. There is a storm cloud that follows them around, and it's only raining on them. 
And for, for those folks, life is largely movement from one difficulty or frustration to the next. Many like this will call themselves realist. And as realistic as this may sound, this also is exposed as a faith that falls short of good news. Because we serve a Christ who has announced good news to the world. And so, here's a little bit of nuance to this part as well. Let me add here that most of us will tend to tip on one side or the other based on our personalities, right? Uh, Some of us, based on a personality, will tend to be more optimistic and everything is fine all the time. And, And then some of us will tend to be more pessimistic. Everything is not fine all the time, right? And there's really no reason for joy or laughter or smiles. And so uh, it can be based on personality or upbringing and all these kinds of things. However, we can't use our personality as a reason to live on either one of these extremes. And so what we're presented with, let me say it again, what we're presented with in this passage is a mature, authentic Christianity that is that sees life not as a bit of this and a bit of that, but as both at the very same time, right? What, what you hear Paul saying is, we were this and yet this, and they seem kind of on opposite poles of one another, but Paul is seeking to embrace both realities at the very same time. Some people absolutely hate us, and yet some people love us, right? Some people don't appreciate our ministry at all. Some people find our ministry life-giving, And so he's just kind of like saying it's not a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's kind of both at the same time. And what I take from this is this. Can we as Christians learn to grieve what needs to be grieved and at the very same time celebrate what deserves celebration? Can we as Christians learn to share in the pain of the world and enter fully in. And at the very same time, are we willing to share in the joy of the world and enter in? Can we as Christians share in the tears and the laughter of God? Because there are some things that absolutely break God's heart. And for that, we need to shed tears. It is appropriate. But also, sometimes we strip God of laughter and joy and a lightness. And so do we also have the courage to laugh with God? Can we work passionately for justice in the world? while also still seeing and experiencing the great beauty of the world. Because sometimes when we work and become passionate about justice in the world, we see so much, that ne- so much work that needs to be done, we become cynical, right? And, oh, it'll never be fixed, and this will never be right. So can we, at the very same time, give our full energies to the justice of God in the world and at the very same time see that so much of our lives and so much of the world is blessed. Amen?
I think if we can learn these things, then we will live full lives. Full lives. Not incoherent lives, not, not kind of all up and down all the time, but just kind of recognizing this is the nature of things. Some things are utterly broken, and some things are absolutely beautiful. And those two things can be true at the same time. And I can grieve over that which is broken, and I can be joyful over that which has beauty. I actually love the paraphrase of the Scriptures called the message and how this passage is rendered. And that's how I actually want to end this message this morning is by reading this same passage of Scripture, but from the paraphrase of the Scriptures known as the message. And I think you'll begin to get a feel of what I mean when this is the full and spacious life is to embrace these things. It says this, Our work as God's servants gets validated or not in the details. People are watching us as we stay at our post, alertly and unswervingly. In the hard times, tough times, bad times, when we're beaten up, jailed, and mobbed, working hard, working late, working without eating, with pure heart, clear head, steady hand, in gentleness, holiness, and honest love. And when we're telling the truth and when we're showing, when God's showing his power, when we're doing our best setting things right, when we're praised and when we're blamed, when we're slandered and honored, true to our word, though distrusted, ignored by the world, though recognized by God, terrifically alive, though rumored to be dead, beaten within an inch of our lives, but refusing to die, immersed in tears, yet always filled with deep joy, living on handouts, yet enriching many, having nothing, having it all. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open and spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small. You're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Thanks be to God. Let me say a word of prayer today. Heavenly Father, thank you for this important word about what it means to live authentically in the world that has both sin and brokenness and injustice and heaviness, and yet at the very same time is filled with life and beauty and goodness. Lord, may we resist the temptation to ignore that which is not right in the world and live only lives where we feel this kind of sense of constant elation and we never feel the weight of the pain of the people around us. But God, On the other side, may we also resist the temptation to feel nothing but pain and never enter into joy and laughter and beauty. 
and to ignore that which is good around us. Help us to live well-balanced, mature Christian lives that embrace both of these realities. And, and God, it's difficult to know exactly what this will look like or how it plays out in our lives, but that's why we depend on your Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. And so, Lord, today we open ourselves up to you. We, we seek to lean into this open and spacious life praying, God, that you would then fill us and make us aware of that which maybe we've ignored. Help us to feel the, the weight of injustices around us. Be honest about those. Name them. And at the very same time, Lord, there, maybe there is beauty in our neighborhoods, in our own backyards, in the mountains that surround us that maybe we've become numb to or we've ignored or we've not seen before. And so awaken us, God, to the good, to the beautiful that is all around us. Whether that be in nature or in art or in relationship, however these things come to us, God, I pray that you would help us to embrace them, that we might live spacious lives. And now, God, as we gather around your table, would you meet us here? As we open ourselves up to experience you, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would, in fact, meet us and provide us with what we need. We give you thanks and we give you praise, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.